0: What about you?
1: Are you ready to refocus your energies?
2: The team centered around people with powers. How many on the list? Right now, just you. Take it slow. Thought a lot about it.
0: And? And my mother was right about one thing. People like me need to be kept a secret, not like the Avengers out in the open. If we do this,
2: we need to be anonymous. Be. That's the idea.
1: But it's not if we do this. We
3: have to do this. We don't have a choice. It may feel like things have
1: cooled down right now, but this, this is my permanent reminder that we'll always be paying the price. That we'll never get ahead of the consequences that I, that you, that S.H.I.E.L.D. have set in motion.
0: Like a ripple in the water.
1: This ripple won't fade. It'll grow and grow until it's a tidal wave. People of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet.
0: Don't Plan Boy, Boy, Boy
2: Planet. Watch anime with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber Geek. Kicks it up a notch. Turn the left to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby.
3: Listen up, fanboy! It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Shh, there he is,
1: Derek McCaw. Trying to think what that sounded like. It was like something. It was the intro of Clutch Cargo. Uh, There was something where a breathless young boy going clutch clutch i i don't know know. um you're you're gonna have to
3: explain clutch cargo to all your listeners
1: no no look (laughs) it up on wikipedia kids and try and find a video
3: (laughs) you want to see the way or
1: don't you know the animation conan used that i forget what they called that sign anyway this is jared McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com we are podcasting we're recording episode 402 as yet untitled, because, of course, we always throw that title in after we're done. Uh, and uh, we are podcasting on Sunday, uh, June 28th. Yes. All right. Which means uh, the other thing i got to do, go, do tonight is go home and make our final request back for uh, interviews and so forth for uh, Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll throw us in for a lot of things. Cool. Uh, that's all I can say. And uh, so anyway... Um, yeah, so it's Sunday night. It's not our usual night, but that's because we had a little bit of a busy week last week and we, we wanted to get, uh, two episodes out before Comic Con. So we'll, we plan to record at our regular time, uh, or ish. Later this week. Later this week. There we go. Um, so, uh, anyway, any news that comes out Monday morning. We are not responsible for. I don't think anything new. I tried to get as much up to the minute and, uh, until about noon today. Hey, you've been busy. I've been busy. Um, so, anyway, uh, we do not have Nate Costa with us tonight, but uh, you hear the other voice, which say, of course, I'm Derek McCaw, and across from me is, uh, he could be my podcast producer or was secretly revealed on Facebook this week, he might be two rabbits, two squirrels, two <laughs> sparrows, and an owl <laughs> wow. wearing a cloak. It's callback Sunday, folks. It, it is. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. I thought your response to that was perfect. I may be too – how did you how do that? I may be too aware for my own good. Like yeah, there was a veiled threat of death. Yes. Like an owl's going to come and
3: yes, peck my eyes out. The owls are not what
1: they seem. <laughs> they never are. Uh, so if you're dating your prince charming, it might just be an owl in a cloak. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so – we are, uh, yes, that's Eric. We don't have Nate with us. Nate is spending some time with his family. All is well. He's just spending time with his family. It's Sunday nice. night. And so we understand that. And we've got some comics news. We've got some book uh, some book news. Well, comic book news, and maybe we'll talk a book or two. Uh, we've got movie news. We've got television news. We've got a little bit of convention stuff. And we do have a couple of interviews that were um, from the previous convention that we attended. Uh, so I, I I will want to mention they fit in comics. So we'll talk about. It. Let's give a little upfront with comics news, and then we'll we'll roll this in. Uh, we did get uh, kind of a, a spirited debate on our Facebook page, which I guess you can go see it's Facebook dot com slash Fanboy Planet. Should yes. be that simple, right? Yes. I'm finding with Facebook, it's just never as simple as I think it should be anymore. They keep doing secret things to me. Yeah. It's just my paranoia, it's just my machine, I don't know. No, I think it's you, but I'm not supposed to tell about it. Well, that's interesting. They've gotten to you, hm. Because the Brett Schneiders are not what they seem. And uh yeah. Anyway, you can find us on Facebook, there we go at slash Fanboy Planet, as well as you can find us on Twitter at FanboyPlanet and Instagram at Fanboy Planet and you can write it's to us at here. editor at com. I'm a simple man Uh <laughs> social I set media. up most of those myself <laughs> I set up Instagram you set up Instagram That's I set up the emails you set up the Fanboy Planet page and you did set up the Twitter feed indeed back but when I, you were saying why but, do we need Twitter? but I have made it my own and uh, so yes yeah. I understand it now. I grasp it. And, uh, of course, uh, anything you, uh, you're you probably picking this up on iTunes or the Stitcher app, uh, please rate us, review us, tell your friends, subscribe. And you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com, where you can also find an Amazon link. Uh, in case you hear about something on this show that you would like to purchase for yourself and you cannot find it at your local small business, please do go ahead and use the Amazon link. And if there's a direct link to the actual product... All the better. And
3: if you are hearing us through some other method, not directly from the oh, site, not from right. iTunes, not from PodBay, not from well, Thank you Insta- for mentioning
1: PodBay. Here I had it circled. Let, realized- me,
3: let us know how you're getting it because we would really like to know how
1: everybody's getting
3: it. Those are the ways we know that you can.
1: Yeah. And we do want to know if somebody else has picked us up, some kind of subscription service, whatever, whatever. Um, we want to give them a shout out and say thanks. So please help us out, and you can write into editor at fanboyplanet dot com, uh, and you can also kick in if you'd like. There's a PayPal uh, link right there too, so you can donate a little bit to help pay offset the costs of hosting. And uh, we thank you for all your support over this year as we get ready for it. now. This is that's 2015, so my year 16 of covering, but I guess it's technically oh, this is like a millennial thing, 2000. Yeah, this is year 16 of Fanboy Planet covering Comic-Con in a week and a half. Um, Largely, I will admit, and this is not an ego thing, this is just a reality, largely me over these years, but uh, it's still a variety of people coming and going. Um, And so we are going in for some coverage in the next week and a half. So, uh, you know, any support is if you like that. Uh, And, in fact, that's another thing I'm going to post tonight, but I realize by the time this posts that won't matter is that we're going to be we got the uh we were given permission to run the uh world premiere the red carpet footage from ant-man on a youtube channel so i was just going to say and i'll I'll put that up on the facebook page tonight of please it starts uh, on monday night by the time you hear this podcast it may have already passed but that kind of thing if there's news if there's a youtube video or something that you know is on fanboy planet please repost it through fanboy planet you know if you like this site if you like this podcast any kind of support you can give can you feel i I've, I've been like you know we we're, we're redesigning and revamping and reinvigorating ourselves this summer new servers new servers that was a little bit and that's actually i think it's actually running a little smoother I than think it, it was is too. and uh, certainly a lot more content and it's been easier to upload it's been easier to get things done and uh, so we're trying to get a little more going, and so any help you want is great. So let's talk comics. The thing that came up on the Facebook page, the little spirited debate, was Lewis Stone Cologne, regular reader, regular listener, uh, posted and said, "I just I'm not I know I'm, I'm mangling his quote, but basically that he was felt very turned off by Secret Wars yes. at Marvel, and I thought it got an interesting spirited debate uh, from." Two viewpoints. I'm the guy that tends to look at, well, I understand what their goal is. Um, I also understand from the viewpoint of – I like that um, you, Lewis, and myself are actually not that far apart in age, but he is not a long-time reader. Right. Was that me? (laughs) Did everybody else hear a train go by? Uh, (laughs) Anyway. That's like a flashback to it. are you okay (laughs) – Somebody else heard that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, th- that it's an interesting viewpoints of here we are, all three of us in similar and an overlapping demographic at right. worst. Right. Uh, at best, we are the same demographic, right? It's just a few years. distancing, sure. Not that much compared to who comics are trying to get. Involved. The history of our comics passion was divergent. Is, is very. <laughs> that's totally different. Tra- divergent trademark. I, I don't know who that, who is that. Does that Lionsgate? Yeah. Anyway, um, so he feels very turned off by Secret Wars, and that. Um, well, he he feels it's pointless. I, and I I can't disagree. So there's this. Stereotype is, is your argument back was or not your argument, but but why you like it is. It's
3: it's flashing on all the events from Marvel that for a long time I've enjoyed over the years, over the decades, and it's doing it in a way that's twisting it slightly, so it's almost like one of those – it's not necessarily a what-if kind of – it's kind of like – it's almost like the the book's, like, ta- tangent and that DC has done where they've kind of redone their characters a little bit. And the Amalgam, which was yeah. the Marvel and, Malgam, and DC. That was the other one I was trying to think yeah, of. Yeah, the Marvel yeah. and DC
1: combination. And readers, long time readers like yourself and myself, are yeah. used to this is what happens because we remember when that was a new, fresh, and exciting idea. Now, like, say, when the Silver Age started in the 60s, They didn't have to go off and create. I can remember actually trying to explain Tangent to somebody. I was in a show. Yeah. uh, And each week I'd come in with the latest stack of Tangent comics because I used to be the gateway. There were a couple of actors in the Bay Area that would be like, oh, I want to be in a show with Derek because he will, if I don't have a big part. um, I'll learn more about comics. He'll bring comics that I can read. Uh, And uh, so, you know, there was a run where, uh, I can't remember what show I was doing, but, but it was when Tangent came out. So in the 60s, Right, you had the Silver Age, and DC says, okay, you've got the Justice Society comes in. Flash of two worlds, Golden Age Flash right. uh, meets, meets Barry Allen. Uh, then, you know, Alan Scott meets Hal Jordan, and then the Justice Society has been—actually, I think it's in a flash where it turns out that Vandal Savage had all the Justice Society in suspended animation— uh, in tubes in a cave, because in the sixties you could do that, and no one would know and uh so they had been out of, out of out of commission for a while because their explanation of, of Jay Garrick had been that the, everybody forgot about the city right you know the fiddler I think it was had had covered it up so that was the big two worlds and 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 other versions of the superheroes you've never seen before that was the readers in 1965 or 1962, 3, whenever that started, was, ooh, there were these older versions. Now they're here. And then Marvel kind of did the same by, by the time you get to Avengers number 4, um, there's Captain America. Oh, no, he's on the cover of 4. He's in 2, right? right? Isn't right. he the second issue? So Captain America comes off the ice in Fantastic Four. Namor has come back. Um, you know, those were really the only two out of the uh, out of the all winner squad, yeah. which was then retconned into the Invaders. That as long were, as you
3: don't count the Human Torch, because they,
1: they, that was an awkward look. Pay no yeah. attention. Um, and that was a while before they they brought because remember the Vision was sort of like a combination originally of it was supposedly the, body the, or the original Human Torch's body and, and then Simon Vision.
3: Williams' engram. But but
1: but but the idea of being the Vision was that was a World War was II. There's a lot of hand waving. No, the there was a there was that. a World War II character, a Golden Age character named the Vision, who James yes. Robinson used yes. in the his last one of Invaders, um, who actually looked a lot like yes. like the android, but he was an alien. So um, you know that was the '60s. Then the, you, those crossovers worked for a couple of decades. Then you had the Crisis on Infinite Earths, but, and then you got and
3: a, and, a, and again, those were basically two or three issue storylines in a book.
1: And not a company wide not crossover. a company wide
3: crossover until DC did Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was supposed to deal with all the convoluted backstory and and paradoxes in their character storyline right. by basically exploding reality and then re putting it back together again into one true unto itself right storyline. I
1: guess my point for all of it is each time one of these things happened it was new yeah so you'd you'd raise the stakes then over at the and and Marvel's company wide crossover was secret wars the first time around in that was the big that was the big one yes that involved pretty much at least if not every book it was every big gun true but it wasn't it wasn't so much
3: of a we're going to change the universe. It's the universe is involved in this. There were a couple of things like the thing stayed on the planet and Spider-Man I think got some his of the, suit. I think
1: some of the best thing stories ever. The yeah. Rocky Grim Space Ranger. Yeah, and let us not forget that was also a a book uh, that was spurred by Mattel approaching Marvel and wanting a toy line, and mm-hmm. they wanted they wanted a book that could promote the toy line. They did. Yeah, which is why I think the Deadpool Secret Wars book in in secret wars is the funniest because the shield showed up yeah i don't know if you r- r- yeah, read no, that, right. Those, but the shields from all the alternate covers, yes yeah yeah <laughs> so uh that was pretty funny but uh so you, you that was the mid 80s and then in the 90s well you got to raise the stakes again okay what's going to be new what's gonna be fresh was what, what haven't they seen is you get amalgam uh right which was marvel and dc crossed over and they fused. Actually, before amalgam, I think was tangent. So tangent was this idea by Dan Jurgens for DC that uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think tangent was first. I think you're and right. and so it, it was it was doing what the Silver Age had done, mm-hmm. taking the names of characters that people knew and giving them new origins new powers like the Flash in the Tangent Universe is a girl with light power, light based powers the
3: Green Lantern was a woman with a uh, she's staff my with she's a my la- favorite she's like the Phantom Stranger Yeah,
1: she taps into the stories of the dead and it was almost more right. like an anthology horror book yeah. with the Green Lantern as the character and um,
3: Superman was a uh, a, a super uh, mystified he was
1: almost like uh, actually he was almost like Captain Comet he was centuries ahead of it he was yeah. an evolved super uh, an, evolved an evolved human, human. Yes, Batman was. I did like that concept. Was the ghost of a, of a knight, like a Scottish knight from the 14th century, whose armor was bat-like? So yeah. he was this ghost in armor. Uh, the Adam was basically Superman. Yeah. The Joker, I thought was cool, was that it was a bunch of different women who shared the role. So the, nobody could catch the Joker because it was a bunch of different people. Yeah, uh, and there were a few others. So it was, were,
3: it was a lot of, like you say, it was a play on the titles and rein, reinventing them with different different characters and different. And uh, it was never meant. Powers. It
1: was never meant to be anything other than sort of a what they call a fifth. They used to call a fifth week event. Yeah, it was a fill-in thing give everybody a break, let them stretch. They're them. all like one title books. Yes. And let them all stretch, when you shoot stretch titles. their muscles for a bit yeah. and just have fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you had amalgam. There was DC versus Marvel. And that's why, yeah, I think, uh, I think that came later where they crossed over and then they fused, which like you had uh, dark claw was Wolverine and Batman into one uh, super soldier was uh, yeah Superman and, and I just thought of one. I, I just together. thought of
3: one of these events that I think you may not be thinking to, is what if stan lee invented the dc universe
1: okay uh cre- yeah um which nobody wants to think about those <laughs> they uh, weren't
3: very good but it was one of those big events
1: yeah you know and even stan lee has admitted he made some pretty big missteps in there because superman was still an alien but he was just a jerk yeah in, in, in his version you know and i've heard that stan actually didn't do a lot of re- uh, writing with that that yeah. it was actually uh, michael uslan um and it was a nice you know it that was more really to celebrate the fact that stanley had essentially been given freedom right. from, from marvel. marvel he did not have to work to write for Marvel exclusively to. yeah so um i think the less said about that the better so then we were brought to this now where we've seen flashpoint did well, these alternate universes and then the new 52 was essentially because we've hated some revisitings of you have to remember, that have not, you have names. to
3: comment on heroes reborn because that was
1: everybody sort of looks at yeah yeah then heroes One. reborn
3: was let's take the core Marvel characters and give them to an entirely different uh, organization to do for to, was it just a year? Or was yeah, it,
1: well here here's the secret history of of heroes reborn. Marvel was in bankruptcy. Yeah. Which we still feel the reper- repercussions of because, of course, that's why we have a Fantastic Four movie that Marvel does not control Yes, coming this summer. Um, which, by the way, Troy Benson texted me and he said, he just saw the latest trailer. I have not watched it. And he said, but it looks pretty good. And I said, hmm. you're dead to me. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> I just said, I haven't seen it. We'll see. Um, so. Uh, I won't be upset if it's watchable. No, I won't either. But I just don't have high hopes. No. So let's just say that I have an open enough mind. Um but they were in bankruptcy, and their books just – those books, we say the core books were like all excited. It was the Avengers. It was Iron Man. It was Fantastic Four. Hulk,
3: although Hulk was in both universes.
1: Yes, and but Hulk didn't have a solo title. I'm talking about what the titles were. It was right. Iron Man, Captain America. Captain America, yeah. Fantastic Four, and Avengers. They were not selling well, and that's why Marvel went to Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and Said reinvigorate. Now the sales were really good, but they fired Rob Liefeld halfway through, mm-hmm. and they wanted the the plan, which they weren't honest about at the time, was you know, and why would they be? It's like they want people to make they promises a year long event, and then said, and then really what they were hoping was if that keeps on as long as we can keep Jim Lee going, mm-hmm. we'll we'll just keep that those those four titles as completely separate from the mainstream Marvel Universe. Right. So when they say, we've never broken our continuity or we've never revamped, they lie. They've found clever ways to make it all fit in one stream. Right. But remember that after Heroes Reborn, te- uh, they went back in time to destroy an evil Tony Stark by bringing his teenage self. So actually, that, I think it was before Heroes Reborn because he came back normal age. But that you he, mean the original Arno... No, Tony. Oh. There was a teenage Tony running around oh, for a while yes. because Tony had got and, and they don't yeah, like yeah. to talk about that at all. Right. Um, oh yeah, I remember it. Yeah, you know, so there's some weird things in continuity. Uh so there was that. Now New Fifty Two uh, sort of attempted that and revamped characters. Somebody gave me a perspective and we're we're going far away from, from Lewis's original thing. Right. Whereas I feel like I'm with Lewis more often than not that the books that are working for me best in secret wars are the ones that are a concept that have nothing to do with the larger secret wars. Or if they do, it's so minimal that, you know, it's, although I'll, I'll grant you planet Hulk. Number two sort of got me intrigued by doc green being there. And my favorite line saying, Oh, you're a Steve Rogers. I can tell by your eyes. Like, that he's seen a bunch of Steve Rogers that he clearly, and this is Lewis's problem is it feels stereotypical that there are characters that are remembering or know something larger, know something different. And it's like, yeah, it is, but you know, it is also going to restore. Um, But what somebody pointed out to me was we also missed one other that even though it stayed in continuity, it really changed the game for Marvel in particular, which is that if you w- had been a hardcore fan, and clearly there weren't that many people that were, um, of the original X-Men, right. of that team of five. Right. Now, there were a lot of factors that went into, in the last week, on the last podcast we talked about how Marvel had been limited to six titles a month, and right. they couldn't, and they had to right. go buy monthly in order to do that. So... It was very hard for a bi-monthly book to garner the popularity of like Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, right? So X-Men was always sort of – they did some interesting things. They were – it was always barely holding on. It went into reprints. There's like a run of two years where it's just reprints. And then the Neil Adams stuff. Well, the Neil Adams is before the reprints. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's Havoc. The reprints led up to – And so so somebody – I can't remember who posted and said this is like – if I had been a fan of X-Men and then the all new, all different uh-huh. X-Men showed up in 1975. And that worked out pretty well for Marvel. Yeah. That, you know, you, the only characters that stayed core were Cyclops, Cyclops and, and Jean Grey. Professor Xavier. We'll count him, you know, but he was, I, I never really thought of him as an X-Man yeah, uh, you know, he was just the guy in the wheelchair in the background. He had formed them, but that's where he got Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, uh, Banshee. Came back from the original run. I think he'd only been in one or two issues of the original run. Yeah, because um, he was always an Interpol agent. He was Thunderbird. Was th- but, but yeah, Thunderbird wasn't in the original run. But now no. uh, one that uh, occurred of, to me was, was of all new, all different. Of uh, no, he wasn't in the original run of the original team. No, no, he wasn't. Was was Sunfire. Uh, had Sunfire, he appeared in Neil Adams? I think Sunfire was a Neil
3: Adams. Okay, yeah. okay.
1: So, uh, anyway, so you had all these new Sunfire, characters.
3: Sunfire, I think, has had been in a lot of other books, too. I think he was actually in The Hulk.
1: I think, well, The Hulk was where a lot of X-Men yeah. concepts. Wolverine, yeah. Well, well but, but they kept peace, you know. They yeah. sort of result, like, because one of my favorites is, and I probably sold it, but I did have for a while, because um, I loved the mimic from the original run. Oh, yeah. And he actually... It's a Beast-Hulk cro- uh, team-up that uh, where the Mimic dies because the Mimic's powers are growing too strong and he's actually made the Hulk weak because it's no longer, like it used to be like a mile radius where he could duplicate the powers. Yeah. And his powers were, were mutating so that it wasn't just his power, powers that he was sucking up, it was life force. Ah. So he had gone to his remote an area in the Canadian wilderness as he possibly could and because the Hulk had just fought Wolverine. He was in Canada yeah. and was attracted to why was the Hulk feeling sick. And that's where – so basically um, the mimic overdosed himself on the Hulk because he said, I'm, make, I'm making the Hulk sick. I'm too powerful. I shouldn't. Yeah. There's no cure. I have to live. They brought him back later. Oh, yeah, yeah. They did. But but I thought uh, that was great. Yeah, it was a good. Because the mimic was even early on was like this very interesting – he was arrogant. It was a good
3: – No, he it was, it was, it wasn't really evil. Yeah, he wasn't, no, he, he was wasn't just a, a bad, jerk. bad guy. He no, was, he was just a jerk. He meant yeah.
1: well, but he had a prickly personality, and you know that he sacrificed himself. That was like a good heroic death.
3: He was one which, of those. Which, of course, in Marvel, nobody ever really did. He was so. one of those ones who he kind of. He was Bucky dead. He f- forecast people like, um, oh, I can't think of the Grinning Skull guy, uh, um, Taskmaster. Oh, yeah. And even to some extent. No, I'll go there. Yeah.
1: But anyway. Um yeah. that was a perspective that I hadn't thought of that all these changes of characters are like it's happened before and it has reinvigorated now you get back to secret wars I look at your stack and I go there's a lot of titles I didn't pick up because either I felt well they were interesting storylines but I don't feel that it was worth revisiting um well I'm getting and they're not even really revisiting yeah. as well but they are running deep where I just don't feel like Mar- like either side you know, and I and you said the same thing. Like I felt more connection to Convergence because they were old storylines mm. that I knew well. Because you really kind of grew up the Marvel guy, oh definitely, and I grew up the DC guy, so I knew and loved the DC concepts. So I wasn't as ir- but I was irritated by Convergence because what it reminded me of was there were versions I liked better.
3: Yeah. And the thing about convergence, I still recognize a lot of them because I've gone back and read a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff, and some of it was like zero hour and you know things that yeah. didn't take place a long time ago. But the the difference for me was in convergence, they'd like touch on something for a page and a half, and that'd be it. Yeah, you know, you you're in and out of this one very vari- variant in this universe of you know Superman yeah. or whatever. And what I'm really enjoying about about Secret Wars is the meta story because they all are on this one doom created world and there is interplay between the different zones. And if you're reading all of it, that's, that's kind of a, a meta meta story to the whole thing. And I'm enjoying that.
1: Well, and so this week we got to say now to roll into our regular comics news, which we've got a lot of announcements out of, out of Marvel. One thing I love and I didn't get a chance to, to put up was that James Robinson in our interview from WonderCon had promised he's got, he's a, there's a really good, Ongoing concept, ongoing series after Secret Wars, but I can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it was revealed what it was this week. Did you see it? I don't think so. It's Squadron Supreme. Oh, cool. But the concept, so Hyperion will be leading, but it's now Squadron Supreme is almost going to fill what Defenders and then this last Jonathan Hickman version of the Avengers was. Hyperion can pull from anybody to be the squadron around him. Okay, which is great for James Robinson because he still has some ideas from Invaders he he needed to pick up. Cool. So and he so he he definitely has, a he very has the authority or the like, I know, superpower. Don't, or? I, don't, I don't quite okay. know, but it, but the idea is that it's a team that will change you know, where so more like more
3: know. like the bigger better, bigger, go bigger better Yeah. Or thing. what
1: what are they what was the the secret defenders? Remember the right, where Dr. Right, right. whoever he needed for a so I you know, I like that idea. I like James Robinson handling it and I know and the thing is with James Robinson it's going to be some characters he's gonna pull some characters that he had some ideas for. Mm-hmm. And the big thing is like he has a clear affinity for Jim Hammond. Sure. And I think he's done great things with him. And he has. And I don't want to see that character fade away. So Jam is going to be there. The most interesting thing for me, just because of what all the press... I mean, I know everything's a a modicum of, uh, you know, it's meant to just freak people out or get people. It's no longer meant to freak us out. That's the funny thing about all the press release and the press cycles. Right. Because they're not launching stuff... Uh, Marvel is not going to Fanboy Planet and saying, Do you want to talk about Squadron Supreme? Well, they didn't go to anybody and talk about it. They just sort of released a comic book resources. But they went to the New York Post and said, Miles Morales is Spider Man. Of course. And even though naively five years ago, four or five years ago, there were people going, What? There's a Puerto Rican, uh, African American, uh, you know, it's Spider Man. How do you feel about that? And nobody understood that Peter Parker was still around. And right, right. It happened again. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. Full again. And when I say this, it's not because I don't like Miles Morales. I think Miles Morales is an awesome character. Oh, yeah. I love it. In fact, the first thing I did when I got the press release for Miles Morales was I went and I checked on Amazon. And you can find the link on my piece of, uh, about Spider-Man launching in the fall. One, worst case, see, worst kept secret, we knew that Miles Morales was going to come to the mainstream Marvel universe. But... Two is that there's coming, in August, there will be a collection that covers his first appearance, his first 12 issues of the Ultimate Comics, and then Spider-Men, where the main Marvel Universe, Peter Parker, went over and they teamed up. And Peter Parker had to confront the fact that in the Ultimate Universe he had died. And Miles Morales then got to meet a version of the person who had inspired him. Who we hadn't gotten to meet because the, because Peter Parker had died in his universe before he could meet him. Right. So there's a great collection coming, and it's actually reasonably priced. It's like twenty five dollars. So I'm, I'm like, okay, wonderful. Um, and you can order that on the Fanboy Planet website. And there's a link. There's a link. And so you know, like th- that's that's nice. But then the interesting thing is because they made it seem like um, there once Battle World is over, there's just going to be one Marvel Earth moving forward. Well, I say lies because they're launching Spider Gwen in yeah. her uh launching they're reviving with a number one, and again, this is where Lewis was getting upset. Why are all these number ones I'm like because that's how the cycle works. actually
3: when i when I thought about it, it made in responding to him, it made so much sense that they do a number one at this point because they're going they are going to do an origin issue it's it's an mm-hmm. origin issue. And it is an opportunity after all this press for people who are mildly interested who will go in there and
1: say, oh, issue one, I won't have missed anything. Because here's what's happened. Spider-Verse, I don't know how it sold particularly the first time around. Yeah. But Gwen, Spider-Gwen, or she's called Spider-Girl in the comics. Yeah. In the actual, but the title is Spider-Gwen. She caught people by surprise. Yeah and what's happened from the September launch of that character not even in her own title but in a book that was sort of like people weren't going to buy cuz like more stories that really won't matter. Yeah. Okay. Um uh, what happened between then there're a whole lot of conventions, a whole lot of cosplay to the point that you can go to Hot Topic and get a full line of Spider-Gwen sort uh, and her universe has a full line of spider gwen stuff I think entertainment earth had an awesome version of the hoodie everybody's a, got a, everybody's got a hoodie i'm sure it's the same company doing it all but yeah. they're giving it a, you know it's not her universe it's the other one uh, we love fine we oh. love fine has a whole line i mean you know that's another thing there's all these right nerd-based clothing companies yeah. you know i still want a wonderful time to be alive well where's the one with high quality clothing that's the problem actually her universe is very high quality Yes, it is we love find is is nice if you like t-shirts and sw- and and sweaters you know it, it's um we'll see but this is not a clothing review show but anyway you know there's time to build up so a lot of people have gotten uh, have have gotten excited about Gwen who didn't didn't have the chance to read it and then you go in and you're like okay what's going on with the secret wars thing and she's appearing in spider verse but they need some kind of launch so but she's going to be on on her own earth so that's That's fine. I'm at this point. I've gone through where the pendulum has cycled through. Just tell me the best story. Archie's got that going on with their horror. You've got one version of Sabrina, even though their stories sort of are similar in the Afterlife with Archie book, and you've got the chilling adventures of Sabrina, which tells it differently, but they both have the same fate involved, but they're two different time periods. So it's, uh, you know, that's, I'm fine with that because I just want to enjoy well-written stories, fun stories about characters I like. That's all I care. And they're discovering. There's a whole generation of readers out there that feel that way.
3: I'm seeing a lot more young women in the comic stores. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You not know, Browsing the regular comic books, not just looking for, like, the next blankets or whatever.
1: No. I mean, it's become very mainstream. And that's partially because Marvel and DC both. I mean, it's like the Batgirl thing with the Babs yeah. Tar. You know, here's an experiment where the new convergence is coming up. Well, let's see. Batgirl's taken off. So now there's a whole bunch of books that have responded to that where it's just individual creators. Squirrel Girl's doing the same thing. I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I read the first Squirrel Girl and went, well, that was cute. But they actually did uh, what I always liked, and you sacrifice by giving a a character like that a solo book. What I loved most about Squirrel Girl and her early appearances were that all these battles happened off camera. So she was the greatest superhero. But when they actually then showed like how she defeated Galactus, right? Have you did you read it? I, I stopped reading the book. Okay, well, um, they they were very funny. It made it it, it did make me laugh. Was that they had a, a, a cliffhanger where she says she's going to go stop Galactus from eating the Earth? Like I think it's the end of issue two. Yeah, and she comes back in number three, and they sh- the splash page shows her on top of an unconscious Galactus on the moon, and he says, and she says, well. That was easy. You turn the page, it's the letters page. <laughs> and then they say, No, we can't do that. We'll show you what happened. So oh, okay. basically she took she and it's an interesting definition. So they have turned me around on that on that book okay. uh, a little bit, which is that they said, like, well, galactus eats energy, right? Well, so do humans. What do we do? In the form of calories. And because she and Tippy Toe, uh, you know, her current squirrel sidekick, there was yes. a reference to uh, to the first one who had died. Uh, you know, it was like there was a sort of a – the other squirrel went, what? Bucky Toe. I'm not the first one? No, he's um, something Joe, um, Chippy Joe or something. His name isn't Squirrel, though. That was what was always funny about him. Like he didn't have the right animal before right. it. Um, but anyway, uh, she took him to a planet where uh, – all the trees tasted like nuts. And so she said you can eat these calories and the Galactus actually encounters taste for the first time. So when she's had him defeated, it's because he'd eaten so much he took a nap. And so she was waking up from the nap on the splash page. And I was like, that was very funny. And then they came up with all these other characters. Um uh, the you know, so you've got Squirrel Girl. Well, there's a side there's a, a she has a male counterpart now called the Chipmunk Hunk. And uh <laughs> <laughs> there's koi <Coy> boy, and <laughs> so there's all these different weird animal ones. It's it's fun. It's clever. It's making fun of it, but it's also in the like, like in the lumberjanes for boom. I
3: think it's for for
1: it's a not different, for me, yeah, but my son loves it. And I, I want to say, I mean, and there it is. Look, I've got an 11 year old boy. I mean, here we go in this week. Not to get, but you know, it's what he's able to read is so inclusive. Yeah and so many points of view and so many different kinds of heroes and so many different ways to solve problems and it's not just punching again and
3: well you know it's kind of like when i go into a store and i see some guy bitching about some title or, or another saying why did they even do this what's this why did they like, it's not for you dude how many times I had to say there's, that to like you, though? Six, there's like <laughs> 600 other books you could be reading Well, here's here. the thing. You know, now so the drop other, that one. And... The
1: other thing on Fanboy Planet this week, and I, not that this is the podcast where I'm just going to talk about all the articles and reporting I did. But there are a lot. But, um, you know, I stumbled in when I went to the comic book store on Tuesday night. Like, I can't Oh, because I wanted to see if I could get Secret Six because I had missed mm-hmm. number two. So I happened to be in the neighborhood. I stopped by, and I stumbled across this issue. Not not literal issue of a book, but that Diamond had messed up some shipment. Or or Diamond's method of, yeah, it was UPS, but it's really, you know, the anger from the retailers was, well, Diamond's not taking responsibility for it. And I even got, there was a little update to the story, I didn't even say, that on Wednesday morning, one of the other offices in, in Diamond, and I've got the timestamp on this, emailed all the retailers and said, like, this is after another department at Diamond had been on the phone with retailers the day before. Yeah. The, the retailers that already knew their shipment had been delayed for a day got an email on Wednesday morning saying, by the way, your shipment has been delayed. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay – UPS might have been out of their hands, but they need an internal communication system. And I don't say this to say diamond evil. It's like, dude, your infrastructure isn't working. You need to do something. Yeah. You need to, because otherwise this industry is going to dry up or they're going to find your business is going to go away. People are going to find something else. But I went and had a conversation with Ryan over at, um, Ryan Higgins over at comics conspiracy because I didn't want to just walk in and say, Oh, I've just talked to Anna. So, right. You know, um, and she was right to be upset. That's great, and you know, I, I mean, not great that she was upset, but she was right that there was there were problems. So I said, okay, well, let me talk to some other guys. So I talked to Neil over at Hijinks, mm-hmm. and he said, you got to come by and visit. I won't sell to Rick, I promise. So uh, I said, don't do that; he'll cry. And uh, and then so I went over to Comics Conspiracy, and was one of the stores that didn't get their books that they weren't going to. And he gave me a really interesting perspective. He said, like, you know, that it was hard to say to put at risk the right to have your books shipped on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday morning because you could do it on Wednesday morning and make the Wednesday release date by the time you opened your store because there were a hundred books once. Mm -hmm. Now, as you just said, now there's a thousand. And as you said, it takes as much effort to catalog in the system, the book that sells 300 copies for them. As it does the book that sells one, the indie. Right. And then you've got the toys and the so – you've got you had that bank you bought from – was it comics? Right, right, right. the Thanos, the Infinity Glove. And it says there's so much more product every week. You have to have a day to process it. And I know that most of the stores – you know they they might close earlier on a Tuesday night, and right. it's not because their jerks or sales are down. It's because they have to close the store so they can be out by midnight, so right. they can be in at ten thirty in the morning, on Wednesdays. And give you the books and, and get, not and, screw their own yeah business uh, yeah so, record keeping. You know, and I, and they, again, that's that's not even a cut at, at, at Diamond or anything. It's just like this is the reality of the market. When we and I really hadn't thought about it, when we talk about comic sales being down, like the like what the top selling books are. Even in ninety one or ninety, it's X Men ninety two was the Secret Wars crossover. Yeah. In ninety two, that X Men that sold a million copies, well, there weren't ten X titles right. at that point. Right. That was the begin. That was well, the, you'd already had the New Mutants had split. Um, right. I think X Factor had started, so there were four. Yeah. There were four X Men titles. Um, now there's like it felt like a lot back then. Yeah, you know, and, and there were four Superman titles. There were you know, yeah. but but I'm saying. And there weren't that many indies. There had been a black and white boom. It kind of imploded, and then Image came along, and now there's just so much. I mean, you know better than I. Looking at a previews catalog, how thick has the previews catalog gotten like an a half. compared to what it used to be? Yeah. So I mean, there's just there's just so much product going going on, and and you, there is something for everybody. Somebody just asked me. Uh, somebody from my screenwriting group, like, you know, I'm interested in getting back in the, into graphic novels. What would you recommend? And I went, well, there's just so much. And I know you're not really the super like? – uh, I know he's not really the superheroes, so I said – but you've got so much of this you can try, and so much, yeah. and and you know, and what are you
3: looking for? You're looking for cowboys to like Well, I mean, he, for... he
1: wanted sci-fi, so I said, like you okay. know, the, you throw a brick at, at or throw a rock at image, and you'll find something. But I said, yeah. like, like trees, is an interesting about a total different take on an alien invasion, and uh, just to show people the non-fiction, what what can be done with the form that people real? I mean, people always could do, but nobody was really aware of. You go mm-hmm. to March by John Lewis out of right. out of. Top shelf and the fifth beetle from Dark Horse. And I think there was another bi- biographical comic I, I couldn't think of at the time, but even now I gotta go pick up Fun Home by Alison Bechdel, which yeah. just got a Tony for Best Musical. Yeah. You know, for the adaptation <clears> that so probably a musical won a Tony adapted from a graphic novel. Yeah. I mean we're in an amazing time. I thought it was a webcomic, and then it got. Well, it's collected. It, yeah. It, yeah. You're right. It is a webcomic. So let's take a moment here and uh, we'll interject. We did our Secret Wars.
3: There are two volumes, by the way, of, of her. Stuff out graphic it's, novels, which well,
1: she's got a lot of stuff, and yeah. uh, so and uh, the other launches coming. A A Force is going to continue after Secret Wars. So a lot of titles that I thought were put together just for publicity, mm-hmm. and you look at the new all new Avengers. I mean, that it is really all different. You've got Miles, you've got Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, you've got the female Thor, you've got uh, the Vision. It's not that different, but the no, but Nova, and a lot of people don't realize that you know, it, but though he's been around for quite some time, is right. the young kid who is a latino so there's another you know there's great i look at that and i'm going that is awesome that a kid walking into a store right now is going to see a superhero team that isn't pandering to them that just happens to be who they are that reflect
3: can i talk about can we just I, nova is such a wonderful book for a young kid because it's a wish fulfillment book, I get this helmet, I put it on, I'm in the Nova outfit with the Nova powers, I'm in school, but I'm also off in outer space uh, with with all these outer space. Well, you know characters. what? I mean, it's kind of what, and I've got such. It's got such a great family. It's it's a it's a mother and two kids family, but the yeah. structure of the family is so nice and and supportive,
1: and it's like what if you. If DC were launching Green Lantern for the first time right now, that's yeah. what Green Lantern should be. Same fulfillment. Yeah, you got a magic ring. Yep, get that out of a bubble gum machine. You know, it, it, it's yeah. But I, I agree. I, I bought the the f- collection of, of the first mini series by Ed McGuinness and Jeff Loeb. Yeah. Um. So for Luke, you know, in hardback, and I read it, and it's like, oh, it, it is fun, and and it's it's interesting. Love that. So let me turn to speaking of family stuff. Uh, you know, a couple of interviews that we got out of Big Wow, so we can pull in there first. I, I, I want to throw in here because you know, again, we've got Comic Con coming up, and at Big Wow, one of the big publishers that came was Hermes Press. And um, I, right up top, admit that uh, Rob Worley, the creator of a book called Scratch Nine, which uh, the trade collection is uh, Cat of Nine Worlds, is. Uh, Actually, I probably got that title wrong. Anyway, Scratch Nine is the big one, and then it's a subtitle. Um, I keep, because there's so many different miniseries with it, uh, is coming out, uh, I believe, in two weeks. So the week of Comic-Con it will launch um, from Hermes Press. And it's about this cat uh, who, because he was experimented on by a mad scientist in the first miniseries, is able to call forth the all of his other nine lives, each one of whom has some kind of secret superpower. So the first one being a saber-toothed tiger from prehistoric times and all the way into the future. There's a cat that's from, like, Buddhist temple that knows Kung Fu. Uh, so you've got a little Shang-Chi, uh, scratch-Chi, if you will. Uh, and then he meets, and then there's he's got an evil doppelganger in this miniseries. So kind of fun. So we sat down with Rob at uh, Big Wow Comic Fest, and he's going to be at the Hermes Press booth signing the trade paperback, which will be available that week in San Diego, so I want to run this re- interview this week. We are here at Big Wow Comic Fest 2015, before it transfers to being Silicon Valley Comic-Con. We're sitting with Rob Worley, longtime friend of Fanboy Planet, a long friend of myself. I have to always say that up front. Uh, supported me very early Full on. Full disclosure, we worked... <laughs> Vaguely together in social media with the Gamma Project many years ago. It's and a bromance, come on, you call is. It. <laughs> it, is. it. It is, it uh, is. But he's also the creator of one of my favorite kids' books, kids' comics of the 21st century. Uh, or listen, you know, it was in the last five years, we could say the 2010s. Uh, yes. Scratch Nine, which uh, is about to have uh, a graphic novel collection here from Hermes Press and uh, you were telling me a little bit about the origin of the name of Hermes Press which is a a company best known for gathering old comics like Dell and Gold Key Properties S.E. Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea Phantom really cool stuff in high end hardback editions but they went into the direct market with new stuff with Scratch 9 Right,
2: right I approached uh, the the publisher Daniel Herman a couple years ago about Scratch 9 and I always assumed the company was called Hermes because it was a play on his name like Herman Hermes uh, but he told me last year at Comic-Con that it was actually because uh, he loves the j- movie Jason and the Argonauts, which has this great scene with Hermes and Jason sitting down and talking, and it's a really inspiring scene to him, and that's why he named
1: his company Hermes Press. So. Which is about the coolest explanation for a, <laughs> a publishing name I could I could imagine today. Right. But, you know, great, great Ray Harryhausen film. So let's talk about... Uh, the graphic novel that's coming in june and you did tell me it's in diamond right now so yes so, so talk about the scratch nine okay novel. so if
2: uh for people who haven't heard of scratch nine before it's a story about a superhero cat who can summon any of his nine lives to help him out in his adventures and in the first book he uh he runs follow of dr schrodinger and gets involved in a lab accident which gives him his powers um in the new book uh which comes out in june uh Scratch meets his opposite number, his professor Zoom in another cat called Strick, who's working with Dr. Schrodinger, or he's forced to work with Dr. Schrodinger. Strick has power similar to Scratch, except in reverse, so he sends Scratch way back in time to the Ice Age, where Scratch is now completely out of his element. He doesn't know what to do, and he wants to get back home to his girl Penelope. Um, And that's it. Scratch is traveling through time, trying to get his way back to Penelope. Penelope's held hostage by Dr. Schrodinger, and she's trying to get herself out of that jam and they're both sort of working on it uh at the same time from from different points in the time time stream
1: excellent i'm gonna pause because you have customers and i love that <laughs> this booth is hopping hopping and we are resuming here so uh yeah so that's the story of the uh what's the subtitle on this one again cat uh,
2: of nine worlds cat of nine worlds which uh, obviously is a little bit of a reference to to the flash the great flash story flash of two worlds and the design of the villain cat, Strick, is obviously yeah, cool. sort of our cool. Professor cool. Zoom.
1: Right, <laughs> right, right. The reverse cat.
2: He's the reverse, yeah, the reverse scratch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, and so uh, it's coming uh, in June. It's going to be uh, hard bound? No, it's Just paperback. Paperback? Yep. Uh, $25, is that what I heard the retail price is? Yes. Okay. Um, so for people that had not actually gotten it, can they, get, can they pick this up and not need all the backstory? Or Yes, you... they
2: can. I mean, there, it does sort of pick up with, you know, you, you, you want to know that Scratch has powers, um, and you want to know that he has a villain called Dr. Schrodinger. Um, but other than that, it's, it's a self-contained story, and yeah, it'll work fine for, for anyone.
1: But if people want to go back, there was, you had a previous graphic novel, yes. right, or collection, because it was individually from the late, lamented, Ape yes. comics, so...
2: Right. And that'll be coming back out around the same time uh, in a create Space form from my self-publishing imprint, Robot Monkey Works.
1: So. Okay. Ah, I didn't know you had a self-publishing imprint. <laughs> Robot Monkey Works. I only Works. discovered okay. that this week, so... <laughs> oh, well, Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man who knows what he's doing with his business plan. Yes. <laughs> uh, you, there's also an anthology book, which you have two issues of here, which I guess is a two-issue anthology yes. uh, from Hermes, and you want to talk about that and the genesis of that.
2: Yeah, that came... Uh, the, the anthology was actually meant to be um, extra material for a collection of the original series, and I wanted to add pages, and I didn't just want to do pin-ups, um, so I thought it would be cool if I did short stories where each of the nine lives got to have their own little solo adventure. And I wanted to do, like make them all distinct, so I worked with nine different artists. Because um, Jason Cruz is a great artist. He drew the original series. And Joshua Buchanan's a great artist. He's drawing the new series, or the new graphic novel. Um, but I wanted to like reach out to a bunch of different artists. So I've got uh, a lot of cool artists doing stories for Cattails. Uh, Shannon Eric Denton, who was primarily an artist is now is primarily a writer and editor, Uh, But he came back to to art to do a story for it. The Houghton Brothers did a story. Um, Armand Villiver Jr., who does... uh, 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 I'm blanking on the name. I think it's Gladstones Academy for... Is that it? Yeah, I think that's, that's. He's a great artist, but he he's done a story, Kane and Grawl, a bunch of newcomers. Um, so it's a, it's a really cool anthology of just nine short stories, with
0: each cat getting his
1: own turn to turn to shine. And so, um, you know, again, for people that aren't familiar with those nine lives, I, I, I think we, I think we need to sell more. We know we went back to the Ice Age, so there's a saber tiger. Yeah, that was Scratch's first life. He was a saber tiger in the Ice Age.
2: Um, in his second life, he William is the Pharaoh's Bisher's cat, panel, uh, and so he has 302 special 302. powers over life and death. Let's pause while this announcement is going on forever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was picking up on the mics well, we or not. but
3: I think you're still the loudest,
2: but uh, <laughs> All right. we're right here. Let's let the it finish. Okay. So there's the saber-toothed tiger. Right. Bekta, the saber tooth tiger. Or, I'm sorry, Garoga, the saber tiger. Bekta is the Pharaoh's cat who has you know, sort of mystical powers over life and, life and death. He's kind of our Dr. Strange cat. Um, in his third life, he was Ichirao, who um, lived at the Shaolin temples and learned martial arts from the monks, even though he's just a cat. Uh, and Clearly there's no such thing as just a cat. That's true. Uh, and then he was uh, Darjean, the fortunate French feline of the revolution, and he's just got good and good and bad luck powers, basically. Uh, he was uh, Rith, the witch's familiar in Salem. Uh, in one life, he was Bezelbaum, the greatest mouser of the East London theater. <laughs> I mean, he's a big ham and master of disguise. Uh, it, how many is that so far? Uh, I, I think that was uh, seven. Uh, uh, count Scratch. Then S- there's a future one. Scratch is his sixth. Is on his seventh life. There's two future lives. There is. There's N three K zero, the cyborg cat from the twenty fifth century and then there's Ix of the far distant future and he's just a very evolved brainiac cat. He's all about using his brain. So and that's the fun thing is like the the past lives are all sort of rooted in the way cats show up in history and mythology and the future lives are just kind of fun spins but all of them have something different to teach Scratch who's very young and naive and doesn't really know the ways of the world yet. So. Right,
1: because Scratch is just an ordinary house cat or at least thinks he is with his his the girl who owns him. It's a and it's hard and very cute story that any kid could identify with right like my cat has these abilities right let's talk about future because not just the future cats but that i've always said from the moment you told me about this concept that it's i can see it as an animated series is there any conversation going on for you that i don't want to mess up by saying and cursing but i've this is to me such a no-brainer
2: yeah no there's definitely uh conversations going on uh, we had some very active interest from some Canadian uh, animation developers, uh, which ultimately we didn't make a deal with them, uh, but we've had interest from, from a number of parties. I have, if anybody out there is interested, contact my manager at Parallax Talent Management, uh, Jim Wieda, uh, but he is actively shopping it, and yeah, we're getting some, some decent interest. Uh, there's nothing we can say. right. Definitively, or there's or, or nothing solid going on yet, but we're talking to some interesting people, and there's been some exciting conversations. Yeah, because, sure. because, because
1: of the Nine Lines concept, I mean, you could go on forever with graphic novels, too. Yeah. But then let's talk a little bit about that. You're here with uh, Shannon Eric Denton from Forge, where he drove you up. I'm not saying you're here with him. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you're not here as part of Forge. You're here as Hermes. Right. But there's a concept, you know, the digital largely digital distribution have you found it really hard with like i mean here's an eisner nominated kids book the people keep crying out they want to see kids books and it's hard to break into the into the consciousness
2: it it is hard to break that market and um you know we, we we have tried digital as well um it's it's hard to break through there too there's a lot of digital books out there now so how do you differentiate yours from the ones that are out there um so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's still a battle, and I'm hearing even from the big publishers that uh, if the character doesn't have a show on TV, they're having trouble selling it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just a matter of keep, keeping putting it out there, continuing to put it out there, and, and, uh, and, and hope, hope people respond to it. Um, and the response has been so positive that, uh, you know, eventually we'll find, find our audience and grow our audience. Well, we do
1: what we can here. So thank you, Rob, (laughs) for the conversation. appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to uh, Scratch 9, uh, Cat of Nine Worlds in June from Hermes Press. Yes, sir. Uh, And again, another full disclosure, I believe that my son reviewed this book. So there is a quote, uh, you know. There is a quote on that cover. So Fanboy Planet, (laughs) kid reporter, Luke McCaw, who could not make this big wow. uh, (laughs) It does have a full quote. So, you know. I have worked for 15 years and not gotten my quote on the back of a book. My son, (laughs) (laughs) beat you to it. Well, it's the way it goes. That's how the kids do it these days. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Rob.
2: All right. Thank you very much.
1: So fun stuff. And while we were there, I got a brief uh, interview as well with a guy who has been – been all over uh, in comics. He was an editor at Wildstorm. He has uh, just written some. Uh, I think it was the Vampirella Lady Rawhide uh, crossover at uh, Dynamite. Um, maybe it was not Vampirella, but I know it was Lady Rawhide. Uh, oh. but we've been talking about yeah. it. But he and I talked because he was editor in chief. He is is editor in chief of Lion Forge Comics, which is a a, a company that's been largely digital. But they've just made a splash by doing Miami Vice remixed uh, in hard copies in stores. And they've got Saved by the Bell digital online. And I think they're going to do a cl- uh, hard copy collection of Saved by the Bell. So you want to talk about diversity in comics. There it is. There's all these great um, concepts that, again, not necessarily for me, the charm of Saved by the Bell, I shouldn't say eluded me. I just never watched it. No. And by the time that show was on, I was. it was not... I, it was not for me. And so the comics are really not for me. But the fact that somebody can, there is for them. And they're doing sure. a, a Night Rider. All these shows that, honestly, I know there are people that just love them. And to be able to see them getting continued. So we talked, uh, talked briefly with Shannon, who is also uh, a character designer on uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, so he works in animation as well. So he was trying to have a conversation with me while also trying to do sketches for people. The, you know, it, away he was not at the, the booth where he promised to do the sketches, but he was trying to do them. He was catching like, up while he was talking to you. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. And uh, so we had a, a brief conversation with Shannon Eric Denton, who also wrote a Doc Savage annual last year. So we need to go back with him at Comic Con oh, yeah. and talk about Doc Savage. So anyway, Shannon Eric Denton. <laughs> I'm doing uh, a rare thing here. Uh, I'm actually interviewing someone while they're in the process of creating. Uh, We're sitting down with Shannon Eric Denton, who is currently editor of Lion Forge. What would be the actual title? It's jack of all trades, you know, overseer of comics. Overseer of comics. Now, Lion Forge is a company that uh, came out strong last year. Uh, with it's largely digital at this point, uh, but certainly uh, a bunch of licensed titles and original titles. But the licensed titles are things from the '80s, a lot of nostalgia and '90s. Saved by the Bell, Miami Vice. Some of our listeners may have not seen in the shops a hard print copy of Miami Vice Remix. Is that right? That's that is the correct. right title. So. Um, so, how did you get involved with Lion Forge? Because you bounced around, you were a Wildstorm editor for a while, you were an artist early on in your career. It was obviously because I'm sitting here watching you pencil a Colossus. Yeah, I was the uh, char- one of the character designers on the X Men
0: cartoon, used to draw Deadpool in the 90s, um, did that while working on- at Marvel Animation. Um, uh, so, you know, whatever I can do to feed children, that's been, in, you know, specifically my children, not other people's children. Right, story. well, I mean, yeah. But I got nothing. Against that's nothing not to, to say play. you wouldn't give money to charity to exactly. be a child. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Apparently, I can't talk and draw at the same time. So this is going to be. We're going to keep working on this here till, till I get this system down.
1: <laughs> well, good. You know, because it may have to happen a lot. Uh, I, I no, I don't know. But anyway, so uh, yeah. Oh, you and then how to, I got to uh, to the Lion Forge. Uh,
0: yeah. I, so um, I met the guys at uh, WonderCon a few years back, and. Uh, uh, hit it off, and I liked what they were trying to do. And they needed an editor, and so they brought me in. Um, and you know, here I am now getting to work with guys like Joe Casey and Mike Garrell and Barbara Kiesel and Fabi Nicieza. It's uh, it's been a good year. So
1: yes, and and so uh, what were they looking for in terms of properties as they launched? You know, Like I said, there's a lot of 80s. I think there's a Night Rider book as well. Night Rider is, uh, yeah, Jeffrey
0: Thorne and Jason Johnson. Jason drew wet works over Wildstorm. You know, Jeffrey's primarily a TV writer, but he's been doing a lot of stuff with Thrill Bent, a uh, really talented guy. Um, and uh, a lot of what it was was just going after stuff that, you know, we had an affinity for that we liked that was a known property, um, specifically because we were a new company and we wanted people to, you know, be able to... Um, You know, uh, uh, it saved us some marketing basically by having (laughs) having people being aware of the properties.
1: And I recall last year you actually even had Mr. Building, uh, Correct. Uh, moderated the panel at WonderCon. That was uh, awesome. Yeah. And then you have, in addition to license, some some original stuff, and, and including uh, adventures based on real life people. We interviewed Shabo uh, Guerrero last year.
0: Correct. Yeah. And so, and you know, some you know, it, it, it is a, a technique we're borrowing from the 80s, where you know, Mr. T had his own you know cartoon and TV show, and so um, we're creating original superhero versions of real people, like the uh, the Yaya Han book. Um, Rampage Jackson and Chavo Guerrero. Um, you know, we're doing books with all of them. Um, and it's, But it's not just an adaptation of the stuff you already know them from.
1: Right, okay. Um, so as one of many in the landscape now in digital, how, how has the reception been? The reception's good.
0: It's one of those things where we're, we're still growing it. We've, uh, we've just launched with Comixology. Um, you know, our timing was such that it was right in the middle of the uh, the, the Amazon buy, so it's it's taken a little longer than, than we thought it was going to. But we're there now with with Comicsology, so it's it's fun to actually you know have the books out in pretty much every format now. That was the only one we were missing. Um, and uh, uh, you know, we got the print partnership with IDW, which is uh, you know where Miami Buys Remix is coming out. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff on the horizon at the well.
1: Oh, great. I want to let you finish this sketch, so thank you for taking a few minutes to talk and draw at the same time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, thank you. That was Shannon Eric Denner. Thank you very much. Well, we thank both Rob and Shannon for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Let's play a little bit of What's in the Bag this week. No musical. My voice is going shop for singing. but uh, Derek, what's, what's in, in the bag? bag? What's, what's in, in the bag? In the bag? Uh, well, you go ahead and start. Go ahead and oh, say it. Oh, okay. uh, so, I Well, because normally Nate would. So I'm going to start with oh, which uh, he would pick Walking Dead this week. Okay? He would. I just want to say that it's almost a Walking Dead cover.
3: It does kind of look like that. <laughs> a walking.
1: It's it just but- shows that we're running out of different variations on how to present our characters.
3: But anyway, <laughs> so this is uh, this is E for Extinction, uh, Battle World, uh, and of course we're in the Secret War Wars, um, and the cover and the interior, the art is uh, is really um, stylized. By Ramon Villalobos, and we were just talking. It, it looks like um, uh, Frank Quayle. Quitely. Frank Quayle's art is very. It's very. And uh, that's
1: even you know, what you just showed there. That splash page was reminiscent of Zorn's last moments. Yeah.
3: So this is a four ninety five book. It's pretty thick. Uh, there's a lot going on in here. If you, if I was to sum it up on the back of a quarter, we'd be looking at uh, Wolverine's X Men grown up interacting a bit with the original x men so you've got an older uh an older group of uh mm-hmm. x men you've got uh, kind of an older uh <laughs> white queen and uh Cyclops and uh, they kind of make fun of them as 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 young people would of older people um interesting stuff i I remember the X-Men events that happened, like, every summer. There'd be a yeah. new X extinction, X whatever. And this is indicative of that, but not really the same kind of flavor of it. It really is kind of like, well, they kind of growing It's Magneto's old, and he's leading the X-Men. Well, and
1: the title E for is for Extinction was out of Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley's run on yeah. it. Which was a really good run that Marvel undid as soon as they left.
3: Yeah, and of course, we've got it because it looks like quite art.
1: It's easy yeah. to go back to that. And you know, back when Mar- when and you've uh, got the beast, you've got the cat like beast. That they could more, surprise that us. Yes, done. yes. So, all right, I'm going to uh, start with uh, Superman number 41, which is the first issue that Gene Luen Yang uh, yeah. wrote uh, with John Romita Jr. I think even interesting, and I'm going to try to write this week in in one of these evenings. Uh, John Romita Jr. gave an interview about why, you know, Superman, why Lois would have outed Superman and how he was very adamant that Superman... She, she still hasn't yet. In oh, the no, it's flashback. Storyline. No, it's flashback. Oh. We don't know why yet. Yeah. But the first page is sure. after he's been outed.
3: We haven't actually seen it happen.
1: Yeah, that's... that's Yeah, that's the new costume. Yeah. But um, he said, you know, that, that under no circumstances should Lois and Clark get together. And I thought about that and I realized that's what what I've said about Man of Steel. One of the things that Man of Steel got right is you created Lois Lane and Superman in 1938 and you played two stereotypes of the culture. And now he's right. John Romita Jr. is right. It doesn't make sense that just because they're the two most important characters in the mythos yeah. that they would necessarily be. And he, does, Gene Luen Yang writes a thing... Where uh, Lois says that there's a there's a character who is uncovered as being a villain. and He says, you know, it's it, I, I won't say what how his disguise works, but but it's not even the disguise. Like she's angry that this character was able to disguise himself so simply. Exactly. let on that page I, I know, right now. I know. I, look, I can see you at home can't see the excitement that that. That Rick usually reserves for Easter morning, Christmas morning, <laughs> and he wants to say something that I'm trying to beat him to saying. Uh, and uh, I gonna interrupt. It, that uh, you know she she says that, and then she says I'd be really angry at someone who had that kind of a secret. And so it's like, well, Luen Yang is laying out why. Yeah, and because uh, who else is? I, yeah, who he, else he, has he, that? Lame yeah, of yeah her it, it's disguise. not even that. But I I thought it was uh, very well-written, I'm still bothered by the, the super flair of like, oh, we're just using that power like crazy now because we can. And now he can control it a little more, too. Yeah, so. yeah, but I, I also, there's even artwork that is reminiscent, he almost looks like the Eradicator, like he picks the... It looks the, like He looks like Daredevil. Well, sure, because John Romito Jr. Yeah. Re- did that, but, but... But he looks like Daredevil from the Netflix But thing. he's leaving Gene Luen Yang uh, or... Uh, no, Gene no. Luen Yang has been left with um, these needs to be very creative with But with Jeff Johns leaving, is what I meant to say. Gene Luen Yang now has to have these creative ways around a depowered Superman. How is Superman going to learn to handle a situation where well, he's going to get beat up. He's feeling pain. He's going to, you know, they've already said John Jeff Johns already played around with the idea of he can feel taste. But um, if you want to know why uh, Gene Luen Yang got tapped to write Superman, I just finished uh, reading, and I believe I'm going to get to sit down with him at Comic Con again. Uh, reading his graphic novel from last year from first, second press, so I'm going to sneak in a recommendation behind because it's old, The Shadow Hero, Hmm. which is that he had found this very obscure um, small press World War II superhero where it was one of the few uh, Chinese-American comics professionals working who had created this character who was a superhero fighting against the Japanese in China but likely was not allowed to actually say he had created a Chinese superhero. Mm. So he was called the Green Turtle. And he uh so in his epi- in his adventures, you never see his face. He never explains his origin. Characters will always ask, Well, how did you become the Green Turtle? And uh, I'll explain when we get back to the turtle shell. You know, and <sighs> and and so the shadow hero is with Sonny Liu. and both of these, both Jean Luen Yang and Sonny Liu are their fingers are all over the new DC universe starting, you know, this month. Because um, I think Sonny Lou was in Constantine, the Hellblazer, oh. and uh, I might had something to do with Doctor Fate too. I think, but um, I know there's at least two titles he was uh, he or she was working on. Um, so he created this. They created this origin story for the Green Turtle, set in like Chinatown in San Francisco. It's cooler. They call it San and San, San, in- San- or something like that so it's like it's a california port city and they're in the chinatown and it's really a very moving but funny um pre-world war ii story of this character becoming uh becoming a superhero in, in in this and giving him an origin and a secret identity so Gene Luen Yang, he's mostly done, you know, uh, he did American Born Chinese, which is, I think is just a brilliant yeah. graphic novel, uh, Level Up. Uh, he's tackled a lot of what it's like to be uh, Asian American and trying to deal with the demands of, of earlier generations, wanting you not to assimilate so much or having these beliefs that you should become something and then you want to become something else. I also bought, he did Boxers and Saints, the uh, historical epic. I haven't read it yet, but that's on my list for this week. And, um... But with Shadow Hero, was something, he was not somebody I would have tapped to be writing Superman. And then I read Shadow Hero and went, he's exactly the person who should be writing Superman right now and because he understands the humanity in the character. Uh so. it's,
3: it's been it's been good. I mean and I wanna I wanna clarify the fact that I wasn't trying to jump on your review, but we had both picked this we right. had both picked this magazine for our and I bowed out to you. Yeah. I just wanted I had that page open because I wanted to make sure if you didn't oh, yeah. comment, no, no, on, no, no, no. Were comment a, on it. Yeah, so. it's
1: a it's a great, great book. So yeah. anyway, there we go. So
3: the next one I have is the Corvax saga, number one, and this is back to a three ninety nine book. Um Yay. This is, uh, and you got all of the uh all of the guardians 3000 as they're now called they used to just be called the guardians. guardians of the galaxy yes yeah so um and it's the the updated versions with Nikki and I've forgotten the other girl's name um the new one with the time sense yeah yeah um and this is this is a good space uh sci-fi uh series the Korvac saga is one of those ones where it's one of those dimension, reality
1: bending kind of things. As I recall, and when I'm thinking about it, it's like it was a Jim Shooter epic, yeah. run on Avengers, yeah. And what I can say, the only thing I know about it was a what if that revisited yeah, the Corvax cor- saga, cor- yeah, and so you know, so I'm I'm the
3: Avengers do assemble on a big page where they're they're entering into the storyline, and it's it's a. Um, it's, they're all kind of jerks, <laughs>
1: so uh, especially Hercules. Cause, well, please, you know what they should reprint? Have you do you remember those that, that Hercules graphic novel by Bob oh, yeah. Layton? I'm going to give you the the gift, the, the gift. gift of pain, <laughs> the gift of battle with me. I just yeah, that's, I love that series. Uh, it was so great. Yes, the graphic novel they did with it was just that when he had the recorder and yes. the yeah. And, uh, no, it was, it, was, it was crazy good. And the the woman that had a crush on him, and he's like, oh, well, I can't. And he tells the story of being immortal, and the woman ages. And she goes, oh, that's such a sad story. And his thought balloon says, yes, thank goodness. That it works isn't every true. time. No, he said, yes, good thing it isn't, isn't true. true <laughs> yeah. So, okay, next on mine is – this is the one – I. We didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Yeah. I think it was Robin, Son of Batman, which was awesome. It you was, think you, I think you may have picked it, and I, I hadn't read it yet. I had picked
3: it. Um, it, was, it was just a wonderful, wonderful... I love the fact that it looks like they're just going to take Robin out into his own storyline
1: where he's going to be involved and in all this should, old they, stuff. And, and, when we say Robin, we mean... Damien. Damien. And Damien's going to go, and even then he name-checked himself, who am I? I am Robin, son of Batman. And I'm like, yeah. I know that's cheesy to put the title in his mouth, but it's long overdue for Damien yeah. to say it.
3: Yeah. And he's really honoring his father, and he talks about how he has to honor his father's
1: wishes and the way he, yeah. he wants to be a hero. And his guilt for having killed someone. Goliath is awesome, too. Goliath, the mutant man bat. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes! Talk about a cartoon series. Let's have Damien and, and Goliath running around. Damien and Goliath. There's a rhythm to it. Um, so this week I chose, there's another book, and I, and I really don't know. You think that's intentional? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, that We'll ask Mick sometime. Yeah. Uh, maybe next week. Uh, we Are Robin. So it's by Lee Bermejo, who yeah. is best known as an artist, and I love his art. And so here's my, my disappointment in this book. You have one of the most complex, beautiful art artists working in comics today, and he's writing. He's not drawing this at all. Now, you yeah. want to look at his art, he's writing a book for Vertigo called Suiciders, which the writing is okay. The artwork is sumptuous. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's so complex. It's up there with with uh, Ryan Sook and uh, the guy, J.H. Williams. You know, uh, well, uh, to, I believe uh, Mick Gray uh, has uh, – Inked Mayo on many occasions. I think he, I think Mick inked that Joker graphic novel that uh, mayo had done ah, with Brian Azzarello. Yeah. So um, when we talk about this, me.
3: the art in this is not bad. And no, it's, it's not. It's bad. really reminiscent of uh, the artist on Chew, uh, Tony, uh, Rob Guillory, and. I mean, it's, I, I and the, it's No, it's not just the style, but the graphic pacing of it. I look at the, the, the early no, no. one where the girl takes the picture uh, of, no, no, of him. No, I, I,
1: I totally agree with you yeah. on that. But what uh, in, uh, when I when say, <laughs> the uh, disappointment was just that I wanted to see Lee, especially with the cover I have, uh, right. which I think is by Bermejo, and you see that it's just a different expectation. So I'm not complaining about the art. I think the art absolutely fits the story. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting idea. I just need to see where it's going to go. And the idea for for WE are Robin is that there is somebody and it's not Batman. There's there's a team of teens who are adopting the the identity of Robin and right. so there's going to be a league. Now what I like about the concept and I really want to see where it goes is okay, this is a bunch of is that we've if if you follow the thing which now the TV show Gotham is kind of ruining, but that Gotham that the stakes keep getting raised that the concept, the identity of the city evolves its defenses. Yeah. It evolves its, uh, its champions so that you had, well, you had the court of owls running things for a while Then Scott Snyder, thank you, retcon to that in. And it, and that's not dismissive. I'm saying that's actually, that was an interesting idea for the city because Grant Morrison had played around with that a little bit when Batman, when Bruce Wayne was traveling through time and, that uh, you have that idea of that identity. Then Batman comes and the villains come and the stakes are raised and more champions rise. And eventually it's going to come that, well, it's going to be the youth without the tragedy, just with the pain of urban living Right. saying somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to do something. Oh, there has been a symbol over here. We're just going to take it. Right. We adopt it. So now we are Robin. We're not yeah. Batman. We are Robin. And because what is Robin in its original, you know, you go back to those, that sensational character find of 1940 uh, going through is he was supposed to be like almost like Peter Pan. He was Robin Hood, but he was also Robin Redbreast. He's considered yeah. this bright well, they're they're
3: they're obviously not as trained or as deadly as Batman is. Their 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 power is their diversity and their group and that the, they're spread out all over the yeah. place and stuff. I have to say, I read this and I go, I put it down. I went, I am worried that they are not going to be able to come up
1: with an interesting story. An interesting. No, enough I'm story with you. For That's me. my problem. Is I'm go- I'm giving it three. Yeah. Because I think it's an interesting enough idea. I'm not sure. That saying, "I have an interesting idea," is enough. And you know, the real, re- the real problem was,
3: I read this right after I read Robinson Robin of, Son of Batman. Batman,
1: and I can see there's a problem. That's a, so. Think about it. Give it some time. Yeah, that's a comparison. I read them very close. I think I did the exact same thing. Like I went, "Oh, I haven't read Robinson of Batman yet," so I read that first, and yeah. then I went, "Well, I mean, this is a good idea, but they're very different tone." Because the other thing with Robinson of Batman is it's really sci-fi. When yeah. you've got Damien in there. He's the grandson of a Bond villain essentially yes. and and then he's the son of Batman and he's got He's back from the dead with and a he's giant he's got ro- a Man-Bat and he used to have the powers of the th- Superman. He's
3: like he's like uh, the never-ending story flying on the back of the uh, the
1: oh. Man-Bat. <laughs> and he even has a submarine like the underwater lair of yeah. of in, in the Spy Who Loved Me, you know. So I, you know, I love that and and this is not a, a thumbs down on We Are Robin by any means. I'm just saying it's gonna have my gonna give it three. Yeah, and then we'll see. Yeah, no, I because I, I just
3: you know I'll be happy to be surprised by it, but I, I'm fearful that you, yeah. I think it's a not, I think it's a
1: good point of view. Yeah. I think it's a good take on the concept. I want to see where it's gonna go. Yeah.
3: Okay. So my last book is Ant Man Larger yeah. Than Life. I passed that one up. Which I yeah it's it's. This is a thick and heavy book for 3.99, but that's because reprints. It's got a bunch of reprints in the back. It's got a it has a um has a full normal or a movie version Ant-Man story which is kind of drawn a little loosely. It's it's like the panel layout and stuff. It's like almost like I you know, this is this is maybe 5 pages of script maybe. Yeah. to to do this book. Um I actually bought it because I wanted to read the reprints oh, the, from Tales uh, to Astonish. The Man in the Ant Hill. The Man in the Ant Hill. The original Hank Penn story. What we have to remember is this Tales to Astonish, this it was a horror th- book. Is a horror book. It's it's like this is the monster this is the, the horror conceit. I've been shrunk down and now I'm inside an anthill with all these crazy ants. Um and that's the first one from like oh god. It's uh, Tales S- to Astonish twenty seven, which sold for ten cents. And then the second one is actually Tales to Astonish: The Return of the Ant-Man in uh, issue 35.
1: Is that the first time he actually appeared I in costume? I think it may be. Okay, um, now I may go back and get that just because yeah. you've shown me that. I knew it was a movie tie-in. I didn't want it to be a lame tie-in, but but those are two stories. I don't know. It's Jack Kirby artwork, man. Okay, and in color because I could pick yeah. up the I could pick up the Marvel Essential, and, and I would be happy to. It is more
3: sci-fi, like him try, him having to get the. Beaker turned over and then bathed in the bath to right uh, into um, yeah to grow back to his normal size. So it's like, uh, will I ever be forced to become Ant Man again? Yes, Henry Pym, you will sooner than
1: you think. We'll save you this that story for the next issue of Tales to Astonish. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, We'll talk a little bit about Ant Man again. Yeah, but if you want to catch oh, again on Fanboy Planet, I um, Disney celeb I picked this up in Steph Rodriguez uh sent me this picture so got to run this of Paul Rudd at California Adventure where they're showing in the it's tough to be a bug theater right uh like 10 minutes of Ant-Man in 4D but surrounded by kids and I was like it's interesting there are already children in Ant-Man costumes and you know we'll come back to Ant-Man but uh it, it's interesting that is kind of the perfect place for that story. Oh my gosh <laughs> how brilliant You is talk that? about a fantastic venue For a show that nobody really wants to go to, it's a shame. Like I, I I'd hate to see that one go. Yeah, that theater because it's, it's just the wrong show in there now because nobody watches. It's a no one watches a bugs life, a bugs life. You know, right, right. Um, but it's if you've if you if you haven't walked down in that in that recently, because I went to see the Maleficent preview there. It's just like it's so fantastically themed. Yeah, so beautiful. No, I've, I've been through it. Yeah.
3: Isn't that – that's right near where the –
1: It's behind Buena Vista Street and mostly the the, – It's where you get your tickets for – For Radiator Springs Racers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, my last book is Howard the Duck number four and why – and I talked about number one and it's all over the cover. Not a Marvel – it says a Marvel Superhero Secret Wars tie-in, a Deadpool Secret Wars (laughs) tie-in. Not a secret wars tie-in. Um this is worth mentioning because and I and I mean this, I, I had hoped with that first issue, and I even tweeted out to Chip Zadarsky, who by the way has said, Oh, this Howard is a clone. Because remember there was that story where he had been cloned and the Savage Dragon crossed over and they kidnapped Howard and Beverly and took them into the image universe. Yes. And they had a clone of, of Howard and Beverly uh, released back into the Marvel universe, and Zdarsky said, "I don't care. It's a clone. Yeah, that's fine. But that's who Marvel has. So that's what I'm writing. That being a clone is part of his history. We don't need to mention it. Um, so anyway, uh, this is the first time that there has been a revival of Howard the Duck where I felt like I felt when you're reading, reading the original Steve Gerber run. Not even Gerber's return. Yeah, the original run. The only thing." And it just makes me sad is, you know, because it couldn't be is I, I like the art in this. I kept reading the balloons going, this is Steve Gerber. Why don't I have Gene Colins artwork? And, you know, of course, Gene has un- unfortunately passed away four years ago. Yeah. But that's the artist I most associate with. So it's not Quinones' fault here. The artist uh uh that, uh, Didn't Brunner do? Art uh, films yeah. Brunner did the original stuff in Man Thing, his first appearances. Yeah, and I think he did the first issue, but most of yeah like, from it issue Colin four also. on. Uh, yeah, so like Joe the, Joe Kanonis uh, is, is is that's uh, why it worked so well when he when uh, it was vampires because Colin was doing uh, Dracula, yeah right Dracula yeah he showed up again in uh, Battle World, but these are the concepts like uh, a Doctor Strange who f- sometimes finds. Have you read this? No, I haven't read that one He sometimes finds Wong annoying. So he tells Wong he's going off on battles. He actually has like a weekly poker game with other world demons that he tells Wong he's going to battle and he's just sitting down for a <laughs> poker game because huh, he, it's a battle because he wants a couple of hours away from Wong going do you need anything master <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that custom they just turned so much on, on on its head and created a new supporting cast so easily which which and this is what Steve Gerber did so well yeah. respects who these characters are in the mainstream Marvel universe and yet somehow f- makes them funny like oh geez, I mean it, they get to the heart of Johnny Storm in the Kirby in the in the Lee Kirby era, um, just like you know, there's a MacGuffin here which is just basically like Johnny. Did you know that you had this super weapon and you just sort of lost it? Well, some <laughs> uh, and the and, ultimate nullifier. Well, no, it's a, it, it, it's uh, because <laughs> you have the Infinity Gauntlet, right? Uh, this one ah. and, and this is so. Typically, uh, oh shoot! Now I can't find the name of it, but um, it, you know that there's an infinity gauntlet. But basically, and this is such a, a, a Steve Gerber concept. Zdarsky so the says there was a gauntlet that was slightly less powerful than the infinity gauntlet. So there's another villain trying to gather all the gems of basically adequacy. <laughs> you know, there's the infinite, and then there's the there's the adequacy gauntlet, and it's such. It's such a Gerber concept. Yeah. And it was like, I really, I read this with a smile on my face going, I I felt like, because I really was too young to be reading what Steve Gerber was saying in Howard the Duck back then. But we were reading Mad. Mad was doing that too, you know. It was like, it, but it made me feel like a kid again, smiling like I was getting away with something reading this book. And even though the, it wasn't, it's not even that it's all that, Great uh, revelation about what life is—a satire of life. It was a satire, truly a satire of the Marvel universe. And I knew that they were making that uh, Steve Gerber was making jokes that was poking, biting the hand of his masters. And I was, and I, yeah. like, you are letting me read that.
3: My my favorite thing that Gerber gave to his readers was the uh, elf, the elf with the gun. No, but that and was Gerber. not a man thing. Yeah, that was not a man thing, but it was still Gerber writing. Yeah, and he he had this it was all about foreshadowing because in, in every issue there'd be the, the, this elf with a gun was coming closer to where the man thing character cast was yeah, and yeah. so there'd be different different locations nearby and he's coming in and then finally oh
1: no you know what I don't think the elf was there I think the elf was in Defenders when he was reading I think, Defenders I think, yeah, I think yeah, the, you're right when he was writing Defenders but
3: it ended with the elf stepping out on the road and getting get hit killed. by a car yeah. <laughs> It's and like, so it never paid off. It was, no, that was the payoff. It was like the <laughs> whole <Well, novel> foreshadowing. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I know, I know. But but even Howard's creation was that way. That he's writing Man Thing and he goes, what would be the most d- bizarre yeah, right. thing to happen in the nexus of all a, realities? A duck smoking a cigar. A duck smoking a cigar walks out of the swamp. So Complaining. I, and I like that he's, he's trapped in a world he's grown accustomed to. So, so anyway, it just means, could we have the Howard the Duck movie now? Yeah. Uh, so let's get to movies. Let's uh, let's, let's talk through these things. Cause I know we wanted to end a little earlier for ourselves tonight. So we've got big news. We, as Civil War has run into, has begun production, uh, they have cast their Spider-Man. Marvel and Sony. Captain a, America Civil War. Captain America Civil War, which we knew from the moment they announced that Marvel and Sony would be sharing Spider-Man, that Spider-Man's first appearance on screen of the new Spider-Man would be in Captain America: Civil War, mm-hmm. and so they have cast their young Spider-Man. He's a 19-year-old actor, so the youngest actor to be cast, and that is Tom Holland, who is currently on. He's been in some indie films, where I guess that's where they said they got it. But but if you are a BBC fan, or maybe it's showing on PBS, is Wolf Hall? The uh, so it's a it's a, f- a 15th century drama. Uh, uh, about, uh, I think it's Thomas More. It's like, I can't speak because I haven't watched it. But anyway, Tom Holland is in it. His father's actually a comedian and a comic writer who basically, I'm bleeding cool that he was, they reprinted all his tweets where he's like, yep, now the hazards of having a son who is much more famous and successful (laughs) than you are before he's even, you know, gone to college. Uh, (laughs) So he's like, yeah. Uh." Anyway, so Tom Holland, who seems you know, he looks young, he uh, and apparently he did. He's into parkour, so he may do all oh, this stuff. So he done He released a video of himself in the spider suit, just sort of like an audition tape. And apparently, it's like it's wild what he can actually do himself. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, so he will be in Civil War, but it just, you know we knew his part wasn't going to be huge. It was just going to be there. Yeah. But apparently. In Ant-Man, so back to Ant-Man, where you can see a California Adventure little preview before it opens July 24th, the day after my birthday, so I know what I'm doing that week. Uh, <laughs> it's like, big birthday party at Ant-Man. And um, <laughs> is that Spider-Man will, the first mention of Spider-Man will be in Ant-Man, because this week they screened it, or last week, ah. they screened it for a select group of critics. Ah. This is why you must support Fanboy Planet if you like us, because basically we don't get invited to, to those big things, but there were people like comicbook.com, comic book movies, yeah. you know, but also they live in LA. They have, you know, and um, Nate was up here. So we're gonna, we gotta make Nate bigger in LA. Yeah. Uh, so he's getting there. He's getting there. He is. Um, that, uh, that they said there are two, and luckily there were no spoilers. I'm grateful for all all of my compatriots in comic book journalism this week who kept quiet about, but there are two end credit sequences which Ah. are both funny and crucial to setting up other things and they said the first mention of spider-man what also came out this week on the facebook page for ant-man and i couldn't find a way to embed it was the japanese trailer for it in which very specifically first time it connects to the larger marvel universe in that hank pam michael douglas says this isn't one of those little play suits like the iron man suit and so it's setting up that he probably knows the Starks. Yeah. And, you know, and there's a kind of an interesting little thing there. So it's, it, it, if you get a chance to find that trailer, if I can find a way to embed it in, on Family Planet, I certainly will. It'd be great
3: to have a scene with Douglas and Downey Jr.
1: Oh, Jiminy Christmas would be awesome, but we'd have heard about it. I'm afraid that down, I, 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 no, I, in I the think, future. I think as awesome as RDJ is being about Marvel, I just don't think, I think the days where he'll do a little. Cameo, a cameo in somebody else's movie. Fun kind of gone, you know. Um, we, we'll see. Who knows? But anyway, so we know the answers there. The other big rumors uh, this week. It, I had to write a, a longer piece on Star Trek Four, and my eyes are rolling as I say it because everybody's got excited with the news that Star Trek Four is happening before they've even started filming Star Trek Three, or as it's called, Star Trek Beyond, and. I want to say, because the Hollywood Reporter broke this, and you read the article and you go, no, no, no. People have to understand how Hollywood works. This article was not an announcement of Star Trek 4. Right. It's actually an article about Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto getting raises for Star Trek Beyond. But what they did was Paramount intelligently locked them in and said, you have to give us an option for Star Trek 4. Right. At. A low price, rather than having to uh, having to run the risk of well, they fulfilled their
3: right. We have to read debatable,
1: debatable. We'll give you a raise now, but if we can hold you to a price similar to this or a a nominal raise above this, you know, so even it it makes sense. The was like, yeah, Star Trek Four has been announced. Like, no, they don't know for sure. It's like a lease with an option to lease again. Yeah, (laughs) their main goal right now is is Star Trek Beyond 1 going to be done in time for this 50th anniversary because yeah. they'd better do that? Yeah. Um, is 2016. And to, uh, you know, not only does it have to be done, but will it be good enough to warrant a Star Trek 4? We don't know. But it was an interesting perspective when you think of this is, and this leads to the other big rumor of the week, which is, again, just rumor at this point. Maybe by the time this podcast came out comes out, it'll be announced. But um, when Chris Pine started, He, the Hollywood Reporter didn't talk about what Zach Quinto was making, but when Chris Pine started, he was paid $600,000 to be Captain Kirk in the first Star Trek movie, uh, the first reboot. And, uh, nobody really knew who he was. It was like this big, that's the guy you chose to be young William Shatner. If you can think back as, as, as this cycle always goes, Michael Keaton is Batman Who's this Chris Pine fellow as Captain Kirk, my iconic, you know, uh, who's the, he's not jowly enough to be Kirk. <laughs> who's Ben Affleck, you know, uh, as Batman? And it's just over and over. What Christian Bale? Heath Ledger is the Joker. Please, that right. whole cycle. Right, right. But he only made 600,000. And then he was raised up to 3 million for the second. But in that time, like they've tried to launch him into Jack Ryan didn't do so well but I don't think that was his fault just again I'm no longer I'm so past Did that past movie come out? I didn't. Shadow Recruit last year yeah Wow I'm so past the point they blame blaming I'm, I'm a big Jack Ryan fan or I was when I was reading the novels but and the novels have been successful but they've tried to reboot that now like four times yeah you've had four different actors playing him I've liked each one of the movies for its own reason and but, they're not they're not bad they're just yeah. whatever reason haven't sparked and the thing is I don't blame actors anymore I say there's something about the production yeah people like you know like Chris Pine well enough you know I think he's good because I think I have my problems with the Into the Woods film adaptation uh-huh. but his Prince Charming he was really is good. one of the best things about that movie yeah. he's he's great in that and uh, you the know helped. he seems to have a good sense of humor about himself he seems like a really good guy so here's the rumor that goes and this is why you've got to lock him in and you have to lock Zach Kinto in because you can't lose Kirk and Spock no. you can't recast here the other question is can you recast Uhura or can you do a Star Trek movie without Uhura? Because Zoe Saldana is in Avatar. Yeah. She's in Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Yeah. They bet and she's you know, they're gonna have to pay her.
3: I think I think you're right. I think you have to have Kirk and Spock and anybody else you can write around. I
1: I would hope McCoy just because I think that uh, I, yeah, that he is so good in that role. Um, yeah. um, they're all really good. I mean No, I, mean, I like all of them, but but when you think back to the original series An episode with Uhura doesn't stand out as an episode... It's like three or four. Or or an episode without Uhura is what I meant to say. Or an episode without Sulu. There are Sulu episodes I like, but I don't sense his absence. Like, I don't sense Chekhov's absence. Um, You need Kirk Spock and you need McCoy. I I do feel that. It's the triad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They've made Uhura more important. But anyway, the the thing that's about to make Chris Pine, if this rumor is true, it was said that he was circling around to play Steve Trevor... In Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. and apparently that was a smokescreen, because they're saying because the rumor now is, no, that was a smokescreen to cover up that they were actually testing him to play Hal Jordan. But interesting. But here's better. So uh, two days. So that's ago, the rumor. Wait, two days ago, Tyrese, the actor from the Fast and Furious franchise, tweeted Instagrammed out a photo of himself as Jon Stewart and says, the oath has been taken, but also with Chris Pine as Hal Jordan Mm -hmm. with the battery in between. So the logical thing, and whether this is the cat, this casting is truth. If this is the approach they're going to take for the movie, we know there's going to be a Greenland and reboot. Mm -hmm. I think this is absolutely the way to approach it is it's about the core and it's about the humans that have been tapped to be Greenlanders not just Hal Jordan right but Tyrese will be if Tyrese is telling the truth uh, or if he's just doing the wish fulfillment which we're seeing a lot of actors doing but it worked for Vin Diesel yeah uh that he's been tapped to play John Stewart so we may get an we may get an announcement next week at Comic or in a week and a half at Comic-Con um you know, Kevin Feige gave it a, gave it a, a, an interview this week, where, uh, last week, where he said about Marvel not a, Marvel movies not appearing at at uh, Comic Con we just don't have anything ready to say. Civil War is just started. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy two. <laughs> oh, well, they were. I mean, they
3: were in that situation with the last Captain America movie too, because yeah. and they still had they brought in their first day's worth of shooting
1: that was Guardians of the Galaxy that they had no
3: they did Captain
1: America too. oh that's right With the first one they did because yeah. they, cause they yeah. showed the the Red Skulls basically his exactly. first scene yeah everything leading up to the fake uh, Cosmic Cube yeah or Tesseract so the got <laughs> it right yes um, so you're right you're right um, and, and, yeah I think that it's both a red herring but I also understand the point of view it's like we don't feel ready with Guardians of the Galaxy James Gunn had shot for three days but basically what he shot was here's what I think the trailer should look like yeah. So let's get all those shots out of the way. And and they did. And so then he introduced Hooked on a Feeling as the theme song. And, and that's essentially what two years later they actually did with the advertising campaign. You know, James Gunn knew what he was doing. Yeah. And and the same thing is happening with, Ant- with Ant-Man is that people have come out and said, like, wow, this actually, you know, there's a lot more to Wright left in it than you think. And it feels quirky. It feels fun. It's going to surprise people again. Now, granted, that's an audience full of people like us who are going to go, yeah, we want it to be good. But we'll see. But anyway, back to – But that's the
3: same unknown – that's the same unknown group for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Because there was no built-in fan base for Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Right. None to speak of. No prior media exposure. No, no, no. no. So, yeah, it's – Ant-Man has made one television appearance – Played on by Garrett Saturn Morris. Satellite. Garrett Morris. <laughs> I have the <laughs> relative size and strength, strength of an ant. Um, anyway, I have uh, the strength of a man. Of a man, but I'm the size of an ant. Anyway, uh, so they, 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 we may get this announcement next week, where DC could walk away with uh, good news. Warner Brothers yeah. could walk away with, yes, we're kings of the convention because in a month after that, there will be D23, D23, and Marvel will be able to say, hey, this is what so, uh, what Civil War is going to look like. Uh, yeah, they'll be polished. By the I want to say, and if, James, if this is James Gunn, man, he messed with our heads. He, not, he tweeted out something today or put on Facebook today about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is going to be more emotional than the first yes. one. Like I'm like, really? Yeah. Do you know how much I cry still watching that? Like, I, I you know, one can a perfect movie about sadness, and I watched it and just go, "You got me." What do you mean it wasn't sad enough <laughs> the first time? I can't. It's going to be the inside out of Marvel unit, Marvel movies, right? Anyway, um, so we'll see. Is Chris Pine going to be Green Lantern? Maybe we'll find out in the week ahead. Maybe Tyrese has just lost the role by Instagramming out that he got the role. I don't know. We'll see. I just had a brilliant
3: idea that we'll have to. I'm going to write this down. So. One thirty. I'm going to excise this from the tape. When Inside Out comes out, and we have video of the people walking around rewriting that, the their verbiage, just dubbing over and putting them into like a superhero's head or something. So, like inside a star, inside of Star War, Star Lord's head, right? So you just you just cut I these scenes I in. Well, I
1: get what you're doing. Shouldn't have told me. Now, get Jason to help you out. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, all that said, let's go into, uh, let's touch on, uh, we'll do TV. Let's touch on shows that we've watched. And get to the news. Uh, so if we if we do the shows we, we wanted to talk about that we've watched, then it's, we can be faster because we know we want to get to the news. Sure. So you saw the last ship two hour premiere. Yeah. Which it, I'm not watching that show. I pretty admit it's really good show. So many other shows I need to watch. Do you not think that Arrow probably I need to catch up on Arrow first?
3: I don't know. Yeah, I think I do. I don't know. Um Arrow's Arrow's been okay, but I, this last season the the whole no, no, no. I just need to watch or... it because of all the Flash stuff. Okay, anyway, fine. Go ahead. Um. They 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 ended on a huge cliffhanger at the end of the last season, um, and this season picked up right where up it the left last off, ship of yes. the last ship, and it was a two-hour season premiere, and I, I have to say it just moved right along. It was just such a skillfully crafted um, adventure movie uh, with really high stakes and a lot of characters in 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 peril and and just a prestige cast. The heroes are heroic and they're all, you know, nobody's super here. There are no superheroes. It's just, they're just people being good, people being
1: the right kind of people. So now are you aware that made fire is doing chapters of, of a tie in story? No. Okay. So now you need to go on to made fire okay. comics and, and get those. I think they're on chapter five. So each, the last five Fridays I get a little thing that says, Oh, you can, you know, and I just realized because I, I, don't check in with them that often. And when I do, it's like, oh, that's always good. I download one or two to see what they're doing now. And then I realize, oh, they're in the middle of serializing a last ship story. So yeah. Rick needs to know. So there you go. But I have to say my
3: favorite, Adam Baldwin is, is on this show. And he's like the lieutenant to the, the mm-hmm. captain of the ship. And just like, he's just incredibly awesome in this show. I mean, he, he is still the, you know, Adam Baldwin uh big hulking adam baldwin but he's allowed to use his he's put in a situation in this in this Mm -hmm. episode where he has to Mm outthink, yeah and he does it and then the joy he has when things are going right is just so i like
1: adam baldwin and i always have yeah uh so how about wayward pines thank you fox again for giving us a good twist and then taking a week off yeah jerks i let you watch that fifth episode a couple times didn't you no, I only watched it once. You just watched it once? I watched the
3: last part of it a second time no, just before I, the...
1: I mean, you know, I got it. I, I think, uh, again, great uh, great cast. Uh, it is. It is. Um, speaking of when you go with Adam Baldwin. No, oh, for my bodyguard, Matt Dillon's first film. Yeah. And I hated Matt Dillon, and I hated Matt Dillon for like 10 years because he was so good as a bully. And now I watch him and I go, he needs a superhero franchise. <laughs> uh, you know, because he is just heroic. And I love the twist. I love the emotional arc I still feel the series sort of built slowly, but by episode five, it's true. Once that twist is there, it's so big. And the emotional arc of Matt Dillon's character is so believable. It's really there from the beginning that this is the choice he's going to. And there was that
3: scene where he lays down the light, he says, I'm here. To make sure that nobody dies, I'm going to protect him from so and so and so and so and so and so, and I'm going to protect him from you. You,
1: yeah. I mean that he's he's he is the hero in the sense of yeah. the hero, and uh, I think it's really well done. I think it's really well written, um, and I I see complexity where there are characters that I I'm looking at going like Matt Dillon's son. I'm like, I'm not sure what he's going to do. Yeah. I'm scared of this kid f- for this window, kid's face. That scene fate. where he's standing at the window yeah. and remembering the secret. And and I went and when he articulated what was bothering him I, I you know I don't want to spoil the people who haven't caught up but but when he's articulating that I'm going yes. You have set that up well. Yes. That has that is completely within character. And I understand. Yeah. I totally understand where that kid's coming from. Yep.
3: You know what's ironic in this is that in a little while, we're going to have a Twin Peaks show, and we're going to get a lot of people saying, Twin Peaks ripped off Foyward Pines. No, I don't think that's going to be the same
1: answer. <laughs> <laughs> the pines are not what they seem. Um, the abbeys. No, are the, the, the the secluded. The abbeys are not what they seem. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, no, I know, I'm so excited for the Twin Peaks revival. But anyway, uh, so um, we also got an announcement from Marvel over the weekend, and I thank Dave Tapia for... for T- tipping us off. Bring it to our attention. Bring it to our attention. And I should utilize that more often and be able to put that on Fanboy Planet. Because sometimes, like, Marvel has been really good, I want to say, about you know, contacting us and uh, contacting everybody in the press. I'm saying, like, I have a special relationship. Though I've actually had a couple of exchanges this week about, well, I'm kind of looking forward to this book. What do you think? And the guy's actually, uh, or I don't even say, what do you think? And he actually answered, about, like, a fours He goes, y- you're not going to believe what's going to happen with Dazzler. It's great, wow. and I and I went. Oh, well, cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh, thanks for that little interaction. So I'm hoping to meet uh, these guys at, at Comic Con, but um, that it's something that we had kind of figured was because we knew who Daisy was going right, uh, you know, right. or Sky is now Daisy. Uh, that uh, they announced that uh, yeah, Quake. By the way, I, I saw that they've actually been are being redrawn, and she and Daisy is now given the nickname of Sky within the comics continuity. Yeah. And they were. I'm holding up uh, the latest issue yeah, of Agents of Shield. Shield. Agents of Shield. So um, anyway, they announced that they're going that that the season three of Shield is going to be basically Coulson meets encounters the Secret Warriors, right? And because it has a logo, I will even go along with the suspicion that that's where ABC it's and the same Disney, logo that Marvel. Had but a- ABC and Disney decided what they're looking for is can they create a superhero team show on ABC? Yeah, because we knew they wanted to do a spinoff. They were going to do Mockingbird. They pulled back from that. They still want to do it because I think you got to watch and look at well over at CW. Got Arrow, Flash. They've yep. got Legends of of Tomorrow. Yep. There was White r- Canary. There was rumor of uh, of a Hawk Girl solo series. It was completely kibosh, and I knew that it was going to be. It was just too you know it was, it's too ambitious too soon. You know, s- spill it. And I, though I love Grant Gustin, got a Saturn Award for best breakout performance, and he said like. A year and a half ago, I was unemployed, and now i have been The Flash on three different series. It's awesome. (laughs) So anyway, uh, so The Secret Wars, and if you're at Comic-Con, if you are, and they still don't say what it is, if you prove yourself like a a S.H.I.E.L.D. fan above and beyond. There'll be more clues if you pay attention. There are agents going around that will award you a pin, and and you tweet out, and there are prizes, there are possibilities. So we'll see what we can have done. I want to throw out, so yesterday we posted, the BBC uh, put out a poster for uh, the eighth season of Doctor Who. Uh, this is the end, is the, the beginning of the end of Peter Capaldi. Boom. And so, yeah, great teaser, great. We know Peter Capaldi's going to face down his first Comic-Con in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be awesome. And there's probably going to be a Nerd HQ thing where you can also uh, you know, have a chance to hear him in a smaller venue. Yeah. Um, But what I wanted to say, I caught a flash of this, and I think that listeners want to know. Um, Rick's been listening for a while. We've talked about this on the podcast a couple times, about Big Finish Audio. They announced this weekend that River Song is crossing over into the Eighth Doctor's Adventures, with the challenge being to the story that it's already been established that River Song, that the Eighth Doctor had never encountered her. So they're going to have to, in an audio drama... Right around the idea that uh, Alex Kingston uh, and the character of River Song has to help the doctor without letting the doctor know she's there. So it should be interesting. But I'm excited that Alex Kingston is there and you're pulling that character in. I think, and I'm sure Moffat's thinking about it is, as much as she's a ninth doc- uh, an 11th Doctor character, a Matt Smith character, um, putting River Song up against peter capaldi would be just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would just be it it would just be two fantastic actors at the top of their game, you know, just yeah, sparks will fly. Um so we shall see. Uh they also mentioned though I'm not as intrigued by this as they're doing the Doctor Who the Winston Churchill years uh the actor who's been playing Winston Churchill in Matt Smith's run will get a series of audio dramas as well. I'm not so sure that that's something I'd pursue, but there may be people that love that idea. I like Churchill. But he's Churchill. And, I mean, it's yeah. like it's like I love the idea that they're doing Unit, that uh, that the, that Kate Lethbridge-Stewart is getting uh, a drama too. Yeah. But, you know, Luke and I have listened to a couple of side uh, – well, I should say, no, one, the, uh, the, the Frobisher, the one that's actually from the comics – that uh, has never had a TV. He's a shapeshifter. Whifferdil is the alien race that he is. He likes being a penguin. So I bought the audio drama for the sixth Doctor, the the Maltese p- penguin, and it's fun. But they don't feel as when you listen to the eighth Doctor adventures, you feel like you're listening to canon. You go off into the side. It's not. It doesn't feel quite so much. So uh, that's just my take. But I, I don't. If you want to listen, if these intrigue you, please, we're letting you know because they do sound interesting. I'm most interested in the Eighth Doctor yeah. because I still feel, you know, as most people do, McGann didn't have a shot. You know, so the Eighth Doctor gives him that shot. And he's been great on all the audio dramas. He really
3: does. Yes. Yeah. He does. He emotes the action.
1: Oh, he, he's fantastic. Yeah. I, I've um, enjoyed
3: this. Uh, one more thing I wanted to uh, throw out there is the BBC America is now playing um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Oh, yeah, I haven't watched that yet. And I've been watching the British ones, uh, so they're like three ahead of, of the BBC. Of BBC America. Of BBC America. And it's just, it's if Susanna Clarke's novel is thick and rich and yeah. it's all about uh, the resurgence of English magic during the Napoleonic Wars and how the, how they, they, yeah it's an alternate history. Um, but the actors are wonderful. The special effects are sparse and, and really quite cool. The characterizations, the pacing,
1: everything. Um, this is, this is a series to get wrapped up in. Um, As most that I've read on it, say that that this is maybe one of the best things that the BBC has ever done. So, um, I'm for it. Well, let's wrap up here because, you know, it's uh, we're almost, we're actually just a minute over the point we set for ourselves. We wanted to be done. Yeah. Uh, So we thank you once again. If you've got any questions, compliments, commentary, criticism, something you want us to talk about, uh, just a question you want to ask, write to us at editor at fanboyplanet.com course again itunes stitcher Podbay, uh however you're listening to us let us know as well again and uh uh subscribe to us that way uh subscribe to us through our rss feed uh and uh rate us and tell your friends again you know th- i i put this plea out there if you like what we're doing please let other people know it um and say, hey, you, you might be interested in it too. We appreciate the word of mouth, we really do. And uh, so of course if you if you wanna hey you wanna to get to Jonathan Strange and Mr. No uh, Jonathan Strange, no, how Jonathan
3: Jonathan Strange and Mr. Mr.
1: Norrell. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, uh wanna pick that book up. Say why don't you use the handy dandy uh Amazon link if you there can't you find it at your local store. Um, you know, uh Amazon link or and of course if you want to support us directly, please uh, donate to uh, the PayPal link that is there as well. Uh, so I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com.
3: And I'm
1: Rick Brett Snyder
3: reminding you to use your, your powers, powers only, only for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.
0: The power of brains compels you.